Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover. This is episode six now. Episode six. I am Steve and joined here by Jeff as usual. What's going on, Jeff? How you doing? This is our insect leg episode. Nice. Hey, I want to talk to you about something. Yes. Have you heard about all the wrestlers signing up with SAG Astra and all of the unions that are rushing into the wrestling industry? No, I have not. Tell me more. Huh. Neither have I. That's weird. Huh. All right. Well, we'll be following this story closely for you, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe maybe next week. Maybe. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I'm I'm very hopeful. There you there you go. We're, let's uh speaking of that since that's in a uh a call back to episode 5 where we went real in depth about uh unions uh with our special guest uh Kevin Kev Castle. Castle. That's right. Thank you Kevin Castle from uh Don Tony and Kevin Castle fame. Um Thank you again for joining us and shouting us out and tweeting us out because uh, it became our highest rated episode. So thank you. And thank you to all the new listeners. Hopefully you're tuning in for episode six. We're going to cover um, AEW, NXT, Raw, and Survivor Series, plus uh, news from around the world of wrestling. Jeff has a lot, so we're going to jump right into it right now. Um, let's talk about... oh. One more thing, we got a tease at the end of the show, close to the end of the show. We're going to talk about, um, you know, something that hit us really uh, in both of our hearts, means a lot to us. You know, uh, Jeff has been a wrestling fan for uh, many, many years, uh, many generations of, of you know, uh, Attitude Era, uh, what do they call a WW, WWF era, you know the golden era, all of that stuff. We go back, both of us go back way far, but this is probably one of the most um, hard to swallow things. Um, and it hit us right in the feels. So we'll talk about that right at the end of the show or close to it, but let's just jump right into AEW. Um, just so you guys know, we're, we're uh, recording this on Thanksgiving night, Thanksgiving uh, to happy Thanksgiving to everybody uh, celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, I know that's mostly predominantly uh, celebrated in the States. Um, so for our international uh, listeners, it's just a regular Thursday, but happy Thanksgiving. Or it's like tomorrow in Australia. There you go. Whatever tomorrow means, whether that's Friday or Saturday, we're going to drop this podcast on Friday morning. So that way you can listen to it while you do some Black Friday shopping or do whatever you do on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, let's talk about AEW. Let's start with what started off the show, Jake Hager and Jericho versus Chris Daniels and Kazarian. Um, Except that's not what started the show. Oh, no, it didn't? No, it was Top Flight versus, I keep saying H2H, but it's the hybrid too. Like I said, let's start with what really started the show Jericho and Hager versus Chris Daniels and Kazarian because nobody really cares about these two jabroni teams from Dark. It, it's it's really not true. People are are hyped about Top Flight. I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, all right, we we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. it was a, it was a fast paced match. I mean, you're right that the Hybrid Two doesn't need to be on primetime television, but they got a surprising win uh, with a submission from. 
Angelico, who uh, it was a pretty nifty uh, submission, though Angelico spent most of the match doing nothing useful. But um, people are high on top flight. I can sort of see it, uh, you know, maybe give him three years and put on 15 pounds of muscle and I'll be in. <laughs> oh, please. Jeff, let, let me ask you this. What's the difference between top flight and private party? Um, you know what? In I mean, ring wise, I'm not trying to be racist, so don't call me racist. But in ring wise, technically, what is the difference? Uh, you could throw in the hybrid two and SCU in there as well. They're they're all pretty much the same team. The biggest difference is that the two teams you named are very green. They're very raw. I will say that I think the hybrid. I'm not the hybrid. Top flight are actually a crisper, less green-looking team with more moves than Private Party. I think Top Flight is further advanced than the slightly uh, older, slightly more experienced Private Party. But yeah, they, they, they fill the same lane in much the same way that Taz and Kingston fill the same lane. Yes, and we'll get to them in a little bit later uh, on the show. Let's talk Jake Hager and Jericho versus SCU. Um, why why is Jake Hager and Jericho a team? Why why why? <laughs> the why is a question I can't answer because the one thing AEW certainly doesn't need is more tag teams and they just added another. Um we just mentioned them. But about 10 weeks ago Jericho said that he and Hager were going were going to become a team and start racking up some tag team wins going for the titles. Then I think they had one or two matches then then that was entirely dropped. And before anyone says, well, Jake Hager had an MMA fight, they knew that then too. I mean, it's not like someone called them and said, hey, you want to fight in two weeks? No. Um, so I guess they're back to that. Uh, the important thing about this match, I suppose, is that the entirety of the inner circle came out together. Uh, Guevara and Ortiz were still sort of, sort of uh, separate a little bit, so they're still not completely on board with the idea. Uh, MJF decked uh, Daniels with the ring, which uh, Daniels sort of stumbled into a Judas effect and, and the inner circle won. Then they beat them down. And, and then uh, Kazarian cheap-shotted, uh, um, well, I think Kazarian cheap-shotted uh, MJF. And then the inner circle beat them down. Um, Scorpio Sky ran in with a chair and, and they all ran out. So everyone went boom, and that's leading to a very exciting match next week on their mini pay-per-view with Chris Jericho against Frankie Kazarian. Is it next week? I thought it was like the week after. No, next week, the second match. But listen, there was a point in this match where I looked in in the ring, and I and I spoke to La Sakara, and I said, you know, see these two guys in the ring? Between the two of them, they're 99. And then Daniels tagged out, and he tagged Kazarian in, and between the two of them, they were, the age went down to 92. So... <laughs> I mean, you and I are 94, so... <laughs> oh, gotta, this is true. We got a shot, brother. There we go. We just got to get training and uh, take the vitamins. Um, I yeah, I just... I don't get like I don't get what the end game is with this. Like, is it to put Hager over? Is it to, to get them to the titles, to the title match, and then MJF screws them over, and then it just builds more animosity between Jericho and MJF? I don't know. I don't know why the tag team does that more strongly than anything else. 
I mean, my general view on AEW is they have so many teams and factions because they pay them per appearance. And the only way they can justify their saying that they pay the WWE scale is to have as many people on TV as humanly possible every week. Yeah, that's a good point. I know. All right, moving on. Um, we're let's talk about speaking of WWE. We've have former WWE star Miro in his uh, ready to debut with um, Jesus Christ. I always forget this clown's name. Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian. Thank you. Um, uh, Miro is going to debut his new video game extravaganza with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. See, I don't forget her it, it, name. They didn't even mention Penelope Ford yet. There she was. But there she was. But that's uh, listen. This is song. She, she, she was. <laughs> and so that gets interrupted by Orange Cassidy and best friends, or as I like to call them, the minivan mafia. Nice. Um, you know it. 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 They. I guess this is the next uh, thing for Miro. I'm still trying to decide whether this is a, a step up or a step down from WWE. Are you really? Um, no, not really. I really do think this is a step down. I think Lana is doing uh, way. Listen, Lana is buying the gro- the majority of the groceries. If if you catch my drift, like she's got to be making more money than than Miro at this point. Um, I don't know anything about that. All I know is that you know. Miro striking out on his own. If this is his idea of creativity, he's not very creative at all. And the the worst part is that like he he's on Twitter and he's he had a personality on Twitter, but it was like sort of like a fun guy personality on Twitter. And he still does that on Twitter, but in AEW he's supposed to be a monster heel with a childlike hobby. And it it it's just it's it disconnects. There's a disconnect there. Uh, but yeah, I mean. If we're reading the tea leaves correctly, I guess there's going to be a street fight down the road, you know, over Rusev's video game console set or the PS5 or PS5 on a pole match or something. But uh, yeah, this is this was pretty dreadful, and and it ended with Rusev uh, presumably taking the cameraman and putting the camera in his face and yelling, "Get out of the way!" And I don't know, this 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 was not a good segment, but. The show got better. The, the AW got better. Take, take, yeah, take I, a I, 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 I kind of disagree. And and uh, let's get into the I guess the next portion yeah. of the show because our first fight. I, I felt like eh, no, this is not going to be a fight. Like I felt yeah. like this. They should have swapped this into the main event uh, instead of Archer and Kingston's uh, nonsense. So. You know, last week there, you know, we didn't cover AEW because we uh, scheduled this special episode ahead of AEW and we never got to review AEW. And the bombshell news uh, that Moxley dropped about um, his uh, impregnating Renee Young, aka Renee Paquette. Um, and so, congratulations to both of them. And so, also, Right after that, I guess he gets ambushed, and the, there's a big who done it, who knocked out Moxley. Um, I was always of the belief, and I still am, that nobody knocked him out. He just staged it because he is known for taking his ball and going home and being a baby. <laughs> I would imagine that at the same time, when he finds out that Renee is pregnant, he will fake his own death 
and disappear and not be the father of this child. He's a smart man. No one has <laughs> called him that. Doesn't have to pay child support this way, right? If you're dead, no. That's sort of a way out, yeah. What's Do you think someone from- has life insurance for them? Maybe for Moxley, but not for Dean Ambrose. Yeah, so the big you know, hope, rumor, myth, whatever, is that it's Kenta. And then they can, you know, spill over into New Japan, uh, which the timing makes sense. It would be very exciting. It would also be the best kept secret possibly in the history of wrestling, which is an industry not very good at keeping secrets at all. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think it's that personally. Uh, when it first happened, I actually thought it was Omega. I, I never thought it was really a whodunit, um, but but clearly it it is still a whodunit or at least in Moxley's head. I, I haven't eliminated the possibility that it is just Omega. Um, but then I remembered the Tony Khan statement that he doubled down on saying that we're going to have a, some exciting surprises and some big names for you before the end of the year. So I don't think it's going to be Kenta, and I don't think it's going to be NJPW. Frankly, I don't think that there's room for, for that alliance. Um, I don't know how you do talent swaps with people who are truly independent contractors, unless you're just doing your top six or seven folks, which, I mean, they're your top six or seven because they wanted that kind of freedom, I I would think. Um, I don't, knowing what I know about New Japan uh, management, not so much the product itself, because I don't really follow the product, but I do follow the business end. uh, I don't think they're so forgiving. So what I'm getting to is I think it's going to be something sort of disappointing, like someone from Moxley's past, from as Dean Ambrose or the Indies, and I'm thinking maybe it'll be like a Ryback or an Eric Rowan or both. Um, but when in doubt, I always throw Rowan in. So I, I just can't imagine the six foot eight, three hundred thirty pound wrestler it, it isn't working. Um, but I, I think it's going to be disappointing. But they're going to think it's very exciting. You have to remember th- this is a company that thought that Matt Seidel was an exciting announcement. Uh, the, up until he fell off the top rope. Yeah, but they still thought it was an exciting announcement. I mean, nobody thinks Matt Seidel is an exciting announcement except Matt Seidel. I mean, who's it going to be? Chris Sabin? I mean, you know, how much excitement can can we take as the audience? It's just, it's just, it's just these strange little things about AEW that keeps me from being able to completely adopt it. Um, I can take not liking large parts of the product. There's large parts of WWE I don't like. There's large parts of NXT I don't like. That, that, that's fine. Not liking things is sort of how I roll. Um, but but I, I, these, I don't know, these proclamations, this sort of detachment from reality is I, I have some issue with, mostly because of the way they presented themselves and packaged themselves. I mean, someone's going to say, someone right now is listening going, Vince McMahon has no connection with reality. You are correct. Um, absolutely. Guilty as charged. But that's how, you know, I, I've known them for 50 years. So when you come in and you say you're going to do a whole new thing and we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to have employees, and we're going to have health insurance, and we're going to do this, that, and the other thing, and, and, you know, every week another, you know, piece of avocado gets peeled away, and, and it's it's not so. Now, then I nitpick on every little thing, and, and I admit that I do that, but... Uh, I still watch every week and financially support the company. So, uh, you know, I'm a good customer. You know, I, I think it's it's a matter of the expectations. I think if 
Tony Khan keeps coming out saying, hey, big things are coming, big things are coming. Like that hypes up their fan base. You know, going back to your point about like Kenta being the best kept secret, but is it though? Like I see like the rumors online. I see pictures of Kenta putting up pictures of him working out in Orlando. Uh, what's he doing? He's, uh, it, it seems obvious that he's going to en- end up interrupting this uh, Kenny Omega versus uh, Moxley match next week. Well, it has nothing um, to do with Kent himself individually as a human being. It has to do with the fact that he's under contract to New Japan Pro Wrestling. So if Kenta is the one, then New Japan has come up with some arrangement with AEW, or they're going to sort of blame it on Kenta, use the name, but we'll never see him on television, which is sort of a loophole to get around everything. Um, and, you know, they've said Tanahashi's name, they've used his image, and, you know, why not? Or they could say that, you know, it was the, we've learned that it was the sitting um, challenger for the New Japan North American Championship or U.S. Championship, whatever they call that belt. But he's since flown to Japan, so Moxley can't get revenge uh, here. So he's going to have to wait wait his turn for that. Um, I mean, they could so, do that, but that's not really much of a surprise. So just to paraphrase or, or, or to, I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, I guess, Jeff. This is the question. You're saying that it's not the big surprise is not that it's Kenta. The big surprise is what Kenta means. You're saying that if Kenta shows up, then that means there is obviously a business arrangement between AEW and New Japan, and that's yeah. the bigger story. Yeah, even if it's just limited to Kenta, sort of how Thunder Rosa is, you know, was the AEW NWA exception for now, anyway. Um, it's still. It's not the wishful opening of the forbidden door. It's a real opening of the f- forbidden door. So even a crack. I mean, once a door is open, it's open. So, you know, uh, yeah, that, that would be a big deal. So sure, Kent is a big deal. But, you know, it could be Sonata. It could be Evil. You know, insert. It's not that it's Kenta per se. It's, it is because of what it means for it to be Kenta. But, yeah, I mean, I think Kenta is who Moxley defends against if they go forward with in Japan if he can get there. And and I, I don't see any reason why he can't get there. He'll just have to do whatever quarantine on their end and whatever quarantine on, on our end. Well, that's an interesting point, and I think you brought that up previously. I can't recall if it was at the end of our last show or um, on Unpopular Review, but the idea of Moxley going overseas and then quarantining, he's sitting on the bench for seven days at least. Then he comes back, sitting back on the bench for seven days. Same thing with um, Omega going into into Mexico. Is this the best though business arrangement for AEW? Well, I don't. If you're going to have your guy, your your two top guys, like sitting on the bench. Well, let's assume AEW is planning to do the same things that they did last year, which was they did a year in review. They might have brought that up over two episodes, and they took they took two episodes off for the holidays. They worked 50 weeks last week, not 52. So if they're doing that, it actually fits within their plans mathematically if everything goes right. Well, I guess. I mean, especially if they're planning to keep one of them off TV for – a couple weeks on on one end, you know, after the loss or the win or whatever, um, you know. But we all remember what happened when 
you know, WWE planned the SmackDown the day after Saudi Arabia, and there were some issues there. Um, by the way, that suit settled. I don't know if we talked about that, but that was the uh, Fireman's uh, fun suit, basically. Um, oh no, we didn't. We didn't talk about that. Let's get to that at the end, though. Yeah, when okay. we talk about WWE. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, and and I don't know that the situation in Mexico is much different. I mean, Mexico is in worse shape than Japan. I know that. It's probably not as strict as Japan, uh, which is probably why we and Mexico are in worse shape than Japan. Uh, but I still think there'd be the same quarantine restrictions, at least on the way back, I presume, on on the, the front side of the trip as well. Maybe it's not 14 days. Maybe it's seven or nine or, or what have you. Um, but also, I mean, didn't Moxley also get MRSA last time he was in Japan? Or no, he did. Okay. I think he did that after Japan at an indie show stateside. Right. I, yeah, I think you're correct. But it was during like his free time. Yes. That way he couldn't blame the uh, WWE uh, doctors. Um, <laughs> well, he was still treated with Z-Packs, I hear. Uh, there you go. Um, before we move on, um, who's winning this match next week, Omega or Moxley? I, I think for all the reasons we said, and because there's going to be so much dead time, I think it's Omega. There needs to be something to talk about. I do not think they can drag this out until the next pay-per-view in February. And patience really is an AW's virtue. I know that they had some long burn stories, some that are too long, but as far as pulling the trigger on things, I, I just don't see them waiting on this one, especially with uh, all the travel. So Omega. And then I think the big surprise is going to be who took out Moxley. Um, because we all started this with the, the segment where basically he confronted Kingston with nonverbal communication and Kingston convinced him that he didn't do it because, you know, they both got their own stuff to deal with. And Moxley, you know, I guess, you know, old school street, knew each other 20 years, you know, took that as has the code for, yeah, bro, I, uh, I, I don't like you, but I believe you. Listen, I'm still telling you that he's trying to get out of diaper changing duties and uh, he planned the whole thing that's the swerve everybody moxley well, took himself out you know I, I if that's the case then this is a hammerlock hangover exclusive there you go i Steve, want you, you to take that you have, what, 17 or 18 kids so you know about diapers listen i do know about diapers and that's why i'm uh plotting my own uh demise some at some point in the future and then i'm going to come back as uh i don't know El, El, El Gringo Bejeso or something like that. Nice. Um, let's talk about uh, Sheeta versus uh, Anna Jay. Um, what did you think of this match? It was okay. I mean, the match itself was okay. Sheeta is much better than Anna Jay. That's not a surprise. There was, you know, they sort of replayed the same spot with Anna Jay and Tainara Conte that they did before where she wanted a chair and Tainara was giving it to her, but but then had second thoughts the ref got involved and was distracted and somehow Anna Jay found a kendo stick, uh, hit Sheeta with it, but Sheeta still then hit a barrage of offense and won the match and retained as she should. But the story was what happened after the, after the match. First of all, Anna Jay and Ty Conte walked off together. No problems. By the way, the dark order accompanied them out or at least three of them came, but it was like a staggered play, but they disappeared before the match took ensued, which was a little bit odd. Um, 
But anyway, she does walking out. She the story was that her knee was not a hundred percent, and and Anna Jay worked it over, and she was limping and holding the title belt up and all that, and you know she was really selling the knee, which is good. And then music came on, and and you know I didn't recognize the music, but uh, the the screen uh, illuminated and it said Abaddon, and that was cool. And then you know Abaddon comes crawling out in in her you know in her way like from those movies you know with with the CGI. Um, Is it the Ring? Yeah, the Ring movies, right? Um, and all of a sudden, uh, Sheeta was like the Ultimate Warriors, Papa Shango or Andre scene. Damien the snake, she was on the ground. She couldn't move. She was petrified with fear. She had thrown the belt and dropped it. And then uh, Abaddon basically dropped Made her zombie goo. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah, she like chewed on her or something and dropped her zombie viscera on the belt, thus marking and claiming it for her own. And Sheeta was obviously terrified. And and I guess that's going to be a match then. And, and Listen, I'm okay with that too. I, I like my demon characters. I like Rosemary. I love the fiend. Always like the the Taker, Kane. All you know, g- give me give me dark. I'm a I'm a I'm a oh my god, I can't devastation. I'm a devastation and dungeon and doom. Devastation Incorporation uh, Incorporated and dungeon and doom boy. I'm gonna have to disagree with you here too. Like I can't stand these fucking supernatural gimmicks. Like it's just it's just I I can't. This is why I never got behind The Undertaker for 30 years. I can't uh I just feel like Abaddon is is too young, is uh you know, all these characters are the same after a while and the supernatural shtick just doesn't hit with me. I think it's nonsense. But well, I see that everybody, you know, everybody needs a, a wrestling zombie, a wrestling panda, a wrestling uh dinosaur, whatever it is. Where is the Jurassic Express? That's rhetorical. I know that nobody has any idea. We, but has has anyone else noticed we haven't seen them in about eight weeks? They're um, afraid of the wrestling dinosaurs. I mean, I the wrestling pandas. But Marco Stunt, I think, had a match with Joey Janela on Dark either this Tuesday or he last. Did. No, not not Joey Janela. Uh, Sammy Guevara. Yes, so, that's what it was. Because Sammy looked like. I mean, he looked like Hercules Hernandez next to uh, <laughs> next to little Marco. That's right. Poor, poor uh, uh, Sammy. They ended up relegating him to dark. Oh, that reminds me. I want to talk to you about um, <laughs> Jeff I'll Hardy put- versus versus Ricochet on main event. God, I, I cannot believe this is an issue. But well, yeah, I, I know. I, 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 I've got a funny take on it, but okay. let's talk about uh, the Rock, uh, Ricky Starks, and um, and his, and his two uh, goons, um, Brian Cage and uh, Will Hobbs. First of all, you—I mean, this order that you're going is like—it's almost like you didn't watch the show or take any notes or something. Okay, Will I did Hobbs take notes comes out with Taz. Will Hobbs gets a squash match on Leon Johnson, and he does. He did the uh, the world's strongest man uh, power slam, whatever it was called the the world's strongest slam. That's his finisher, so that was pretty good. And then Taz goes, "Listen, the, the guys are still celebrating from last week's win. Hobbs, you did a great job. Go go join them in the back and celebrate." And then Taz cuts another promo about how ineffectual he's been as a manager and how he keeps getting ignored and everyone ignores him. No one respects the FTW title. Why should they? It's a fake title from 23 years ago and they don't need another singles title, but 
He demands someone from management come out. No one pays attention, and his mic goes silent. So then he gets the second mic from Justin Roberts, goes on with the same nonsense. The mic gets canceled, cut off. He says, I'm going to go get a headset. I know you're not going to cut that off because I know how things work. And then Cody comes out in a suit with his producer headphones, you know, thus breaking the fourth wall because sometimes he's a competitor, sometimes he's in management, sometimes he acknowledges both. Well, today he goes, okay, now you have someone in management. You know, what do you want? And, you know, and, and you know, and people are like, Taz cuts a great promo. No, he doesn't. And if you listen to Ricky Starks a few minutes later, he says the opposite. Because Taz is saying, we get no matches, we get no respect. Ricky Starks is saying, we love it here in AEW. We get main event matches. We're on TV all the time. again. the big checks. <laughs> I mean, who is saying? It's a, he just sounds with the, the with the old Brooklyn Bronx accent. He sounds tough. You know, people romanticize. They always romanticize Taz. Anyway. Enough of that. So Cody says to him, basically, with you know, this should satisfy you because next week me and Darby Allen will face your guy Hobbs and your guy Starks in a tag match. Who the fuck wants a tag match for nothing? But, okay, that's okay with Taz because, remember, he sucks as a manager and makes no sense. Okay, so the next part is Cody goes, with regards to your FTW title, I'll run it up the flagpole. Well, then this sets Taz off on – on wrestling, complaining cliche after cliche. And he's like, oh, oh, your corporate double speak and gobble you up. What are you going to do? Tell me that you got nothing for me or wish me luck in my future endeavors? And, and then he's, and, and then Cody goes something like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, if you're so great at what you do, that you do, explain to me why your son who's trained to be a wrestler is training with me and not with you. And Taz is like, oh, oh. Actually, this was good. He looked like he was, he was punching the ball. <laughs> and it's like his heart was broken. And he, Walks away slowly. He's like, I can't believe you said that. And then Cody's about to say something, and Taz gives him the, I don't know, the sleeper hole, whatever Taz calls it. And uh, the Taz mission. The Taz mission, sure, good enough. And then the, the, the guns, the gun club comes out. All 92 guns come out, and, you know, they, they make the save. Um, but that was a low blow from Cody. So that was Taz segment numero uno. But Everyone who thinks that Taz cuts both promos, remember you heard it from me last time and you heard it from me this time. He makes no sense, and the only parts of his promos that make sense is him indicting himself for stinking at his job. And his own guy, Ricky Starks, said the exact opposite thing later on. Maybe they're setting up for uh, Taz to be fired. Taz should be fired. As a matter of fact, when, when when he first threw in the towel, Cage actually tweeted something about that, and I sent to him. I said, "You should absolutely fire him. He's terrible. You didn't submit, and then Moxley offered you a rematch, and he never signed the contract for it on live TV." Moxley said, "I will give you a rematch anytime you want," and you're still sitting there. No rematch. Fire the guy. And Cage is like, "Oh." <laughs> he said, "Who better?" Oh, did you want to go to the the backstage Ricky Starts Pro? I'm not I'm not sure if that's exactly the order. There might have been something in between, but I mean, there were a whole lot of vignettes. The FTR did their vignette about how the titles are their destiny, and Tully's destiny is the coach. The titles they just lost, of course. Um, that the Young Bucks were the best team in the world for only three seconds. Okay, well, that's sort of what matters. Um, <laughs> but then, yes, I saw that, but I don't I didn't want to. I want to get into it. Well, it is a podcast. People are listening, so you know. No. Um, 
we hope. <laughs> Maybe not after oh, well, this one. Yes. Well, they are listening, but I just don't cool. want to get into that whole uh, rigmarole of all that stuff. It's fine. It's just it's just they were they made it look like they were at a like a restaurant at a corner table or something, but they were sitting so close it was like uncomfortable. It was clear they were at a small cocktail table and they put two like curtains, you know, uh, per, you know, in a right angle, you know, in the backstage of the studio there. Anyway, the Stark. It was, it was, it was probably the uh, the table that they put outside. You know, like when. Um... You ever watch Lady and the Tramp when uh, the tramp uh, tries to take the lady out to a nice fancy Italian restaurant and they put them outside? Like that's probably the same table that they ended up getting for FTR because, you know, they're a bunch of shitheads. Yeah, um, um, I, I remember that. Sure, it was exactly like that. Except neither Lady <laughs> or Tramp were wearing a blue, a light blue sweater. Grandpa. Like Grandpa Tully did. <laughs> In Florida. Listen, when you're older, you get cold easily. He had a he had a he also had a suit jacket on over it. I'm just I'm just saying. Wow. Well, he wanted to look fancy. He thought he maybe very... if he wore the suit jacket, he'd get a better table. They, you know what? Good point. Point, Stephen. There you go. That's what. See, that's why I stick around here. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about um, <laughs> this thing, Lance. The Lance Archer, uh, Eddie Kingston thing. Um, Wait a second. You're, you're it, like, you're like the entire I show. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm trying to move on to, to, to bigger and better things. Right. Um, uh, it started with a Butcher and the Blade match uh, between, uh, what was it? Um, I was about to call these guys Lucha House Party. Between, <laughs> um, between Phoenix and Pentagon, right? Yeah. Uh, Wait, no, no, no. It was Pac and Phoenix. Oh, thank you. That's right. Accompanied Sorry, I, by that's right. It was Pac and Phoenix. So um, Archer shows up and he starts, I guess, at, trying to attack. He attacks. He jumps in and costs uh, Butcher and the Blade the match because he's got beef with Eddie Kingston. And then a melee, like a, what is it? The JR usually calls it a Pier 6 brawl. Slobber knock. A, a, a Donnybrook. No, that's like definitely a Gorilla Monsoon thing. <laughs> I'm getting my, my genres mixed up, my eras. Um, we've got a Donnybrook here. Um, and so Archer uh, starts chasing down Kingston. Apparently that's a thing now. Um, I saw online a lot of people hooting and hollering about, is Archer a face now? So I'll ask you, the doctor of of uh wrestling style is lance archer a face i think the answer to that is yes the story seems to be that lance archer is really mad it's really personal between him and kingston because lance archer won the battle royal to get the title shot where lance archer got the title shot and lost and then kingston got two title shots and lost them both so lance archer has a lot to be mad at kingston about because Kingston says he didn't get eliminated from the Battle Royal, but that didn't cost Lance Archer anything. So if somebody can tie the bow for me to explain to me why Lance Archer, who's been killing everyone, is trying to go after um, Kingston and, and his crew. You know, I don't know why. I mean, they have a fairly decent feud now. I, I don't know why they're trying to sidetrack it. It was sort of three against three, unless they're going to add someone else to 
Team Kingston so that you can have uh, the Death Triangle against Butcher Blade and someone else, uh, and then Kingston against Archer. Uh, the strangest part was Jake Roberts seeming to disrobe as if he thought he was part of the action. He's seen he's seen Arn get busy in the action. He wants to get into the action too. Um, yeah, he did seem to want to. And listen, I, I understand muscle memory is is you know takes a while to fade, but I don't know. I mean, you know, he has COPD. He's got bad everything. He smokes. I mean, you'd think his body would tell him you don't need to be doing that. But okay, listen, it was it was just strange to me. I mean. At the end of the day, they are actors and professional actors, and his role is to be a manager and not to not to you know not to be George Jefferson and thinks he think he's going to throw fists. And by the way, George Jefferson of, probably only forty when when that show was popular. He's been doing a lot of DDP yoga though. Um, yeah, listen, <laughs> I'm just saying that he shouldn't be mixing that up or taking his shirt off on TV. Very good. I mean, I bring, maybe AEW wants to bring in that older demographic, that 50 plus demographic, and they thought, you know, shirtless Jake Roberts would do that. That'll put butts in the seats. There you go. We'll find yeah. out. Oh, did the did the uh did the ratings come out today? No, no, Thanksgiving. So I guess we'll have to wait till tomorrow or maybe Monday. Oh, wait it um here with bated breath. Yeah, um, anything for nothing. Let's move on to NXT. Yes, please. Um, real quick, let's talk about these highlights on NXT. Um, well, the biggest. Why don't you recap real quick and you, without me interrupting you, the highlights from last week that mattered for this week? Oh my God! If I could fucking remember what happened I on can. NXT last all right. week. Yeah, right. you, uh, it, it's Lina all Ripley and uh, Io right, yes. had a killer thirty-minute match. I mean, really, an excellent match, but Rhea lost. And it really looked like that was her farewell uh, to NXT. Um, the other thing of note that happened was uh, Leon Ruff had a, a little exchange, but you know, is it you know uh, there was going to be a, a match between. Uh, well, it's going to be a match. That was, Leon Ruff had like a Blake Edwards kind of thing where he was evading Priest and Gargano um, with the North American title, so that's still going on. But the big news was that Finn Balor came in, made a speech. He was interrupted by the brand. Um, and Finn said, well, I didn't come alone. And then the shock, the system music came on and the all four members of the Undisputed Era came out, you know, uh, vertically or horizontally rather in, in a tandem. And they, they threw fists with uh, the brand. And after the match went off the air, uh, Stephen Regal announced that it's going to be four against four for war games. That was a that was a, a a decent impression, but I want to I want to I want you to do it again, but more th like a thicker Cockney accent. You want me to do like Stu Bennett and try and do it? You know, yeah. Stu Bennett. The other big news, which turned out not to be very big news, was that Stu Bennett was not going to be on commentary last night, and Kevin Owens was going to be in commentary, which of course set the internet on fire thinking who is Kevin Owens going back to NXT? Is he going to have a confrontation? Is NX is Kevin Owens going to be in war games? <laughs> is he going to be challenging Finn Bella? I think we I need think a segment. Point, I went from Steve, uh, Stu Bennett more to like Michael Caine having a stroke. 
I feel like we should call on uh, whatever character you just did to show up every once in a while to, <laughs> to give us maybe like a U an NXT UK <laughs> review. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yes. Ta-ta, Cheerio. Stiff up a lip. Of course it was good. It, you know what it was? You know what it was? What? When I was younger, I, I actually was okay at impressions. I'm, I'm talking like 25, 35 years ago. But what that just was, and I, I just realized, it was Monty Python and the Holy Grail when John Cleese is doing God. That's that's yes. that's what I was just doing. So Without right now, I can do that impression and another one that is vaguely Macedonian. No, stick stick with John Cleese. I like it. It's good. It'll get it'll get over. Watch. Don't don't, don't knock it till you try it. You haven't heard the vaguely Macedonian one, and you didn't even ask: Is it Greece Macedonia or is it like Balkans Macedonia? You don't know. Listen, don't uh, don't bury the lead. We've got more episodes in the future. Let's, let's not give everybody let's not give everybody everything right now. We've known each other like nine weeks now, so you know that I have a million. It's been longer games. than nine weeks. It's been Fear. longer than nine weeks in the That's chat. You've gone more than nine weeks in the chat. Um, hmm. uh, let's talk about say, NXT. Uh, Steve, I'm not ready for a commitment. It's, I think it's time that we uh, went separate ways. Well, listen, uh, I, uh, I'm going to segue back to uh, Tony Storm by telling you that uh, if we had anything together, I'd definitely break it up because of Tony Storm's ass. So let's talk about Tony Storm turning on Rhea and uh, team, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Um who? Team Face, the good, the good guys. She, I mean, she turned yeah. on Ember Moon. Is that who she actually turned on? There you go. Um, See, big things in Ember Moon's career. Big things. That kid is going places. I think she is, but you know, sure, she's a she's she's a face. So you know, it, it, this worked for shock value. I felt like everybody was uh, a buzz, a Twitter about uh, Tony Storm turning turning heel on. Uh, Ember and the fashion that she did it, um, and she's joining Team Candice to uh, at War Games. Nice. Is that any better? Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Um, so, my question is, who's on the face team? Well, it looks like it's Eo. Um, it looks like it's Rhea. Rhea. Ember, I, I presume Ember. Um, who's, the fourth? who's the fourth? That's a really good question. Uh, Shotzi, it's it's, it's Shotzi. Uh, it's Team Shotzi Blackheart because uh, they were saying, I guess it was Vic on commentary saying Shotzi Blackheart can't be happy to see what's happening here because I guess the plan was was that Tony Storm was going to be on her team, so Rhea will be the fill-in or maybe. Maybe uh, EO. I, 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 I forget what the original pairings were or groupings were. I know, but it makes sense the way that the show ended. I mean, you had a very powerful image. We agreed about this at pre-production where it was. Was it Raquel Gonzalez that brought her out uh, EO over her shoulders like a sack of potatoes? Yeah. I mean, she was over Raquel's shoulder. They All three of them came out. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a very powerful image. I thought this was, I thought this was an excellent segment. Uh, and then they went into beat up Rhea. Uh, Rhea held them off for well, probably too long. Then, then Tony Storm came in and turned the tide. Uh, the, uh, Io never moved. So she was really clobber knockered. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the heels stood strong. And uh, yeah, and and the announcer, I, I'm pretty sure it was Vic Joseph and not Kevin Owens. It was saying um, that Shotzi can't be happy. My favorite part of the show, though, was when Beth Phoenix goes to Jake Atlas is one of the breakout young stars of 2020. And half a second later, Cameron Grimes does the double moon kick to his face and, and scores yet another pinfall. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the timing could not have been better. It was, it was, it was wonderful. Oh, do you think that's something that like Beth Phoenix gets pissed off about and talks to uh, people in the back about, or is that just on on Beth for saying something really oddballish? I, I don't know. I I don't know what the answer to that is. I you know I, I don't think she gets pissed off about it. I I mean, if any of these announcers in WWE was self conscious, I mean they could possibly keep that job because for the most part they sound ridiculous most of the time. Um, yeah. and by the way, speaking of it, I, I don't, I mean, Kevin Owens wasn't bad, but he didn't really add anything. And he had the KO show with, um, roughly on rough, which was okay, but, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't great. I mean, it didn't really seem like Kevin really wanted to be there and he didn't get into a confrontation with anybody. So I guess it was just him sitting in, which, you know, people are saying he should go back to NXT. No, he should, first of all, no, he shouldn't. Nobody should go back to NXT. No. You can say what you want. But I'll being a starting yeah, being a starting pitcher in Double A ball is not better than being on the bench on the Yankees. It's just it's just not. Um, this is a career. It's it's not for your enjoyment necessarily. Um, if you're in catering on the Yankees, <laughs> I imagine the Yankees catering is is the bomb. <laughs> they are the, the Bronx Bombers, after all. Um, they are. This is true. You know, I, yeah. one criticism that I do have of, of Kevin Owens, I didn't hear much of him, but when when Tony Storm turns on Ember, <laughs> he says this in this like I don't know if he was trying to to like like channel Bobby Heenan in this, but his inflection is like, "Oh, Ember's not going to like that." <laughs> like, <laughs> it was it was so. <laughs> So it was so deadpan and so like no shit, Kevin. Like yeah. no one would fucking like that. Yeah, but all night Kevin was very golf announcer. There were two things he did which I think were great. I think one was unintentional, but he was wearing the yellow, uh, the, the gold and black. So he had a yellow shirt on and a black tie and and like some sort of maybe sleeveless vest over it. So he sort of looked like Fred Flintstone dressed up like when Fred would go to work with his tie on, even though he was operating a brontosaurus so, uh, crane or whatever, scooper. Um, but the the he did do a funny thing with Leon Ruff where he said, oh, no, you said his name? If there's one thing I've learned in, in 20 years in this business or whatever it was, that whenever you say a guy's name, he's going to come out. And he goes, three, two, one, and nothing. But then like two seconds, like, he, goes, he goes, like, I was a little off in my timing, but there he is. And I mean that was good. That was that was nice. Nice job, Kevin. That was nice. Bravo, bravo. Um, I, I so yeah. Leon Ruff to me though is like the McDonald's Happy Meal cheeseburger. He is the only person that makes me say that the actual cheeseburger is now a Big Mac. Oh shit! You didn't you didn't think that his promo in the back where he's talking to I forget which. Uh, announcer they have uh it's not it's sarah schreiber light 
that was in the back. I can't even remember her name. So she's doing these interviews and she interviews, uh, oh, maybe this was a uh, Michelle McKenzie. I think that's who it is. Thank you. It was Michelle McKenzie, but I don't know if this made it to air. This was like an online exclusive, but she ends up interviewing Leon Ruff and he's, <laughs> she asks him like, do you think you stand a chance in this triple threat match? And he's like, is this a question that you ask? Gargano? Is this a question that you asked Damian Priest? Like, why is everybody underestimating me? And he got so angry. Like, I kind of felt that passion. Like, all right, I buy you as the as the underdog. Like, I can see you getting a fluke win here. This guy's going to take the pin, right? <laughs> I, I sure hope so. <laughs> I mean, this is silly. This, this, this to me is like the... I, I mean, I know that there have been lovable underdogs since well before there was AEW. I mean, it was Daniel Bryan. I mean, but I mean, well, well before there was a Daniel Bryan, the, you know, there was the one, two, three kid, there's Billy Kil Kidman. And I'm sure there Mike, were Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah. You know, well, what, what was the, the Spike Dudley, Crash Holly, plenty there, you know, this is, this is a story as old as wrestling itself. Marcus. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Sure. Um, I, I do think that him having a title is very much an AEW effect to sort of have what they perceive to be what they think would be an indie darling. I don't know if he ever spent any significant time on the indies or not, but what they perceive to be an indie darling getting a belt um, over the the two you know big guys. But listen, Damian Priest is a big guy, but Gargano isn't a big guy, though he looks big next to Leon Ruff. Um, I find this whole story to be rough. I don't like Argano. Priest is a great heel. He's not a very good face, um, which I think he needs to learn to be a, an okay face. Um, just because if you're on the main roster, you have to be able to do both. Um, but no, I, I yeah, I, I don't know if Ruff is taking the pin or not, but he, he should. You know, who, who should take the pin? I mean, it'd be funny if Gargano took the pin, but then – Priest should kick rough in the head and and get the win, and Priest should go back to being a heel. Hmm. I don't know. I just I don't see Damien's better than this title. He doesn't need it, and I think he should move on to other things. Well, I mean that's not up to him. I mean if that's the plan, fine. But I don't know. I don't, I don't really buy into the need thing. I think if you know, you know, your big guys are your big guys. You know, and, and I think there'd be a fun program with him and Loomis down the road, uh, maybe with Bronson Reed, wherever he is. Uh, you know, when Cross gets back, that, that might be interesting unless he's being hot shot to the main roster, which is another rumor I heard. But, you know, I also heard the rumor that he was going to be the one to interrupt The Undertaker. Um, you know, uh, by the way, you never got into The Undertaker. I've got some good news for you, Stephen. You're not going to have to deal with The Undertaker much anymore unless you look for him because he uh, apparently has said his final farewell. Yeah, that's oh, not necessarily oh, – yeah. You didn't hear this? about that? Yeah. No, what, what, what happened here? Yeah, he said his final farewell. Now, he didn't say final goodbye, his final shalom, his final aloha, his final arrivederci, um, you know, his final happy trails to you, but he said his final farewell, and they did a whole little ceremony at the end of the Survivor Series, which, you know – which was Dickensian. Now, now that we're talking about this, but 
if this is the finer felt final farewell, what was WrestleMania and the the Gravedigger match? Um, the final match. But then, what was the match like three years ago with Roman? Uh, a lie, a bait and switch. <laughs> Someone changed their mind. I, so, you know. I'm supposed to believe that this is the last one because Savio Vega was in the ring. I, I well, Phineas and and Ferb or oh, or, thank or, you, Phineas and Ferb were in the ring. Yeah, Midian and Uncle Elmer were, were there. I mean, if they found those codgers and they flew Savio Vega up. Well, they probably made him take a Uber or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Be real. I, I mean, I hope this is when, when the copyright sign came on at the end of Survivor Series and there was no confrontation. He wasn't attacked. They did the Paul Bearer thing. I mean, I felt and relief, but people were getting all emotional about it. But how could you? Because I'm like you. I've seen him retire, what, four or five times now? I mean, it's sort of like the boy who cried wolf, but listen, Thank you. He, had a, he had a great career for 20 some odd years. He stuck around too long, but fans still talk about him. So really, you know, what's the chicken and egg of this problem? But yeah, do I think he's gone? Yeah, I think he's gone. But, you know, we, we, you know, we, we can talk about that, you know, later on when we get to Survivor Series and more the, you know, the more emotional. Yeah, I mean Oh, that, thank you. That's right. We have to talk about the emotional part. All right. Um, let's talk. Um, I mean, quickly, uh, grizzled young veterans showed back up. Uh, I guess NXT is uh, a tag team place again. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess that's fine. I mean, if if you asked me six months ago, what's the difference between Birch and Lorcan and the grizzled young veterans? I couldn't tell you. And I'm not sure I could still tell you, you know, if they didn't have the belts. You know, I think someone on the group are getting better has long hair. Um, all it tells you is that still nobody's watching NXT UK. They don't care about NXT UK, and they're gonna if as soon as they can pluck these guys and fly them over to the US, they will. Which is yeah. fine because I don't watch NXT UK. I don't care about the grizzled young veterans, but I do think if you're gonna have tag team belts, you should have tag teams. Call mm -hmm. me crazy. You're uh, I call you crazy, but for other reasons. Yeah, that's I, I would too. Um, let's talk about this other men's war games match. Uh, <laughs> the Undisputed Era versus the brand. We had um, Kyle O'Reilly versus. I always get these two fucking guys confused. Pete, Pete Dunn. Dunn. Thank yeah. you. Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate were in so many goddamn matches together that I always can I always goddamn confuse those two. But can I be a little Pete catty? Dunn. Can I be a little catty right now? Yeah, going back to last week where yeah. where uh, Pat McAfee is doing his promo and saying that uh, I think he's talking about Adam Cole. How he? Oh no, he's talking about Finn Balor. He's like he's like oh, oh yeah, the 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 prince is back, <laughs> but he looks a little bit more like a princess. Meanwhile, Pete Dunne is standing there with with a man bun. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying uh, people that live in glass houses shouldn't be throwing stones? I just found it ironic right there. I mean, Pete Dunne looks like Rhea Ripley's ugly sister. Oh, shit. He does look like he's, he looks like he has had work done on his face. Like, it's too tight. 
Yeah, and then when he lets his hair go, he uses very fine conditioner. But he's got that whole Fabio suave, you know, swoop going on there. Um, and he, if anybody he, knows what product uh, uh, Pete Dunn, I was about to call him Tyler Bate again. Uh, if anybody knows what Pete product uh, Pete Dunn is using, please uh, tweet us at Hammerlock Hangover or hit us up on our Facebook page at uh, Hammerlock Hangover on Facebook. Yeah, we know we it's not Prowl. Don't say Prowl. We'll know you're lying. No, it's not pro. It's got to be like something higher than Paul Mitchell or something like that. Some yeah, it definitely could stuff. be like a Karastin kind of you know spa sauce. It's only green tea, and it feels like something like green tea. <laughs> a green tea extract. Oh, extract! Like that's fancy. There you go. It's got to have lavender, canola, jasmine. That's right. Peppermint to invigorate. Oh, to invigorate the scalp. There you go. Uh, uh, orange peel, probably. Ooh. Ooh, very fancy. Very now fancy. I'm getting now I'm getting hungry. Um, so um, they have a briefcase. I, I I kind of forgot what the what was the briefcase all about. The briefcase was to determine who which gets team out of the cage the man, Yes, who has the man advantage in war games? So you can take it from here, my friend. There you go. So they're having a ladder match. It's uh, Pete Dunn and Kyle O'Reilly. Who uh, this guy? <laughs> Kyle Riley is quietly like one of my favorite guys only because this guy sells everything. He reminds me of uh, old uh, – I, I might get canceled after this. Chris Benoit. You know how Chris Benoit would always sell his own headbutt? Like he sure. hits the headbutt and then he's like, oh, my God, my head. Oh, why did I do that? Why? He was like, why the fuck did I do that again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like anyone not... headbutted a Samoan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that was his finishing move. And so, like, Kyle O'Reilly is the same way where, like, Kyle O'Reilly will be the best guy to sell his own move. Kyle O'Reilly jumps off the ladder. He's, he's selling all kinds of things. And so, uh, uh, secret uh, black um, hoodie man runs into the ring and pushes Kyle O'Reilly as he's about to pull the briefcase off uh, and costs him the match. Uh, Dunn catches the briefcase. Um, is there any secret who this masked hoodie man is and why is it Kenta? Go ahead. <laughs> it, it's Kenta because the, that's going to be the most giant spoiler of all time. And Vince McMahon gave New Japan all the monies, all the yen. Um, <laughs> he, had, he, he had an itch that could only be scratched by more Kenta. Um, you know, Kenta was in Orlando, so you know, you never know. I know. I know all about it. Believe me. I've, I have my sources there. Um, <laughs> sources. I mean, sources. We're, it's supposed to be a whodunit. It, it's not supposed to be Pat McAfee because they showed him earlier that day in his Indianapolis studio doing the Pat McAfee show, which I imagine was actually on. Um, but it wasn't a very hard studio to recreate. And, you know, frankly, there are these things called airplanes. Um, anyway, yeah, I... I yeah, it's it's clearly Kenta. It, it, it's clear, you know, and he did it for Rock. What <laughs> Rock Rock or Ricky Starks Rock? It, it doesn't matter in this case. What What are the odds that it's Finn Balor? Um, I don't know. I never thought about it, but I like it. Keep going. That's all I got. I don't. I don't even understand the motive. Even though last week he's all like, "I brought these guys back." Well, the motive is is he 
doesn't, I mean, he sort of was having a tense time with the Undisputed Era when last we met, and it was Kyle O'Reilly who put him out with a broken mm. jaw clean, but still, I mean, that that's a perfectly good wrestling motive. And the guy in the black suit did look physically smaller than McAfee. He looked shorter and leaner than, than McAfee. So, I mean, not that that means anything in wrestling. I mean, we, we had the Black Scorpion for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then it was Ric Flair, and it clearly wasn't Ric Flair. Um, or more but, recently, Retribution. Oh, well, who? Can, can you play the special Retribution dance gif on the on this show? Oh, it's a, it's a podcast. <laughs> no, this is an audio, audio platform. We can't beam it into we, the list of heads? No, they're lost. No, we can, we can put it on our uh, Twitter page. We, uh, we can tweet it out, and we can also tw uh, put it on Facebook. We should, because and it is the official Retribution dance gif. And by the way, I, whenever I see a member of Retribution on Twitter, I do tweet that to them. Um, so you should too, uh, dear listener. We've got to make this a thing. I have lots of things I'm trying to make viral with um, middling success. Um, are you, yeah, are you like retiring from uh, your, your trolling of evil Uno and moving on to Retribution? Or is this you can chew bubblegum and walk at the same time? I can chew bubblegum and walk at the same time. The, the, no, Uno has not escaped my, my sights. I have two eyes. That means two bullseyes, one on each. Very good. All right. So I think that wraps up NXT, right? Yes. Let's quickly go to WWE. Um, Monday Night Raw was, in my opinion, a pretty good Raw because it had both entertainment and wrestling. You had a really good match and a really good storyline for who's going to be in next contention for Drew McIntyre's World Heavyweight title i like that when a big strong guy holds a title it's the wwe heavyweight title oh. but if it's a small guy like let's say a daniel bryan mm -hmm. it's just the wwe title huh i have, have not you noticed, noticed that? that i know i yes. have not you are really on your game tonight um yeah i know let me tell you my quick thoughts on raw uh because i thought the first two segments were largely abysmal you have Team Raw coming in there, the men's Raw team, who went 5-0. and They had a clean sweep in the Survivor Series over Team SmackDown. It was phenomenal. Uh, Keith Lee got the win. Everything was great. And so it's like the Bad News Bears, they overcame and they won the championships. And 24 hours later, they're back to being the Bad News Bears and can't agree on anything and are fighting again, which was very stupid. And then Braun Strowman, who should never speak, headbutts Adam Pearce for some reason that he thought – Adam Pierce was disrespecting him, and he gets himself ejected. Um, so this was terrible, and I also thought the next segment with the Hurt Business was pretty terrible. I thought the second half of that match was okay, but I still think the story was terrible. But doubling back, the positive, I do think that in that opening segment, they structured the rest of the show to have those three matches to lead to the three-way match next week to determine the number one contender for yet – another card so this was raw constructing the show early on with important matches building towards a main event next year next i'm sorry next week which is important building towards another main event which may or may not happen but listen building wrestling stories used to be something we could take for granted but it really isn't anymore with wwe so i did like that part and i thought the first match with riddle and sheamus 
was a banger. I thought that was, I mean, I don't know why, but Seamus works re really well with Riddle. Um, but I do want to say, go back to the Hurt Business, then I'm going to take a break and let you, uh, you know, be do your thing for a bit. Because I love the Hurt Business. Them getting all the gold is my prophecy, right down to the players and right down to MVP before he was signed by WWE. And it had Shelton in it. I mean, seriously, I'm like Nostradamus with this shit. I'm really, you know... This this is this is not this undisputed era scripted prophecy. This is my scripted prophecy going back years. And anyone who knows me from the Solid Monster Sounds Off Facebook page knows this because they got sick of reading about it every week or two. Anyway, so they lost a match last week. Somehow they taunt the New Day by basically saying, you're chicken. And that gets uh, no Xavier to say, we're not chicken. We're going to fight you. And Kobe's like, why'd you do that? No, you're right. We, we, we can't be disrespected like that. Okay, dumb. And then the Hurt Business get counted out or DQ'd or something, but then MVP says, no, no, the match isn't going to end like that, and, and they're like, okay, it's not going to end like that. And then the second half of the match was good, but the Hurt Business still lost, so now they lost two matches at least, and the announcers go, oh, we can tell that this isn't over between these two uh, teams. Why? If you're the New Day, why wouldn't you say – we beat you last week clean. We had a title match. We had a match last night in Survivor Series. You know, we're, we're, we're nursing our wounds. We have the night off. We are not working tonight. But you know what? If you guys want title matches, get your, get your rankings back up because we beat you. We don't need to beat you again. And make them face, you know, three or four tag teams, you know, or a gauntlet or whatever. I know there aren't three or four other tag teams on Raw, which is a problem. But so what? Th throw together some junk teams. You got guys. Throw them together. And, and make them do something. So I hated that. Um, but Seamus and Riddle, excellent. Back to you, Stephen. Thank you. I'll I'll disagree. I'll I'll half agree with you. Okay. I'll half agree. So I I agree with you on the booking of uh, the tag titles. Um, I think the way that they kind of rush the storyline to put them together back into a wrestling match or a tag title match was hokey. Um, you know, in watching it back over, it looks to me like something went wrong in the match during that whole countdown, the, the countout fracas. Because at one point, um, Cedric, it's a double countout, but then uh, the Hurt Business is acting like they, 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 they lost or they won or whatever. It was just very confusing and it felt like some miscommunication happened between either the new day or the um, hurt business or even the ref. I don't know. It looked all kind of discombobulated. And even like, if you watch it back when Kofi is up the ramp, you see him having this nervous look like, how are we going to get out of this one, boss? Like <laughs> looking at, looking at Kofi, looking at uh, Xavier. Um, Xavier is the boss. I thought Kofi was the what boss. I, what I liked, <laughs> I guess it depends on who's holding the stick. Um, the the storyline between like how they got to this tournament, because technically that's what it was, right? Is this tournament to get into the triple threat? I thought was pretty clever. Like you ha you don't really see WWE do sort of things like this. You alluded to it with your uh, saying they thought two two to three weeks ahead to build up the contender for Drew McIntyre. 
I think it was good. I think it was earnest. Um, you write off Braun because Braun wants to be involved somehow. You want to keep him looking strong, so you're not going to feed Braun to somebody. You want to showcase Riddle and uh, Keith Lee, and you did that. I thought the Riddle and Sheamus match was good because these guys seem to hit each other really stiffly and sell everything. I want to call back something that you said during the Sheeta match. So Anna Jay and Sheeta, they're working each other, and Anna Jay is working this leg, working this leg, working this leg. And Sheeta registers it, so much so where she's now limping after the match. During Riddle's match with Sheamus, he end, Sheamus puts him in this leg lock, and he's got this leg lock on for a good minute or so. And the minute he releases the leg lock, which he almost taps out to, the guy springboards up and starts running the ropes. Yeah. No limp, nothing. And so that's my only criticism of Riddle. I saw some people earlier in the week saying this guy is boring, this uh, Louis Spicoli uh, uh, gimmick where he's a sto half stoner, half surfer idiot uh, is not going to make – no one's going to take him seriously. I disagree. I'm very excited by uh, the the prospects of this uh, Shark Tank vignette that we're going to see. I'm hoping it builds to that. I hope this wasn't like something where they just kind of were goofing around and, and Riddle just threw it out there by accident. But he just made himself – he built himself into a job at an angle. Like, I'm sure Vince heard that and was like, that's genius. I love it, Riddle. This is why yeah. I call you Riddle and not Matt. Yeah, because this Vince didn't write it, so he won't love it. Ah, uh, but you know, I, listen, he didn't. Once he writes the sketch, he'll love it. Okay. That's that's the that's the ticket with Vince. Right. Then they'll say it was a great idea. Like like, uh, don't give Biden the credit for the vaccines. Give me the credit for the vaccines. Absolutely. There you go. I I, I can't wait to see Trump's lab laboratory. Oh my God! Listen, we're not save that for Garden of Doom podcast where you talk about. I knew he was feeling good because his hair was orange again. Oh my God! You're fucked. <laughs> it, it was gray for a long time, but he's feel, he was feeling good again because his hair is orange again. Hey, listen, he's uh, pumped up on stuff. He's got that uh, elixir. What's it called? The, uh, the 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 hydrochloroquine elixir. So going back, I thought the the. The Keith Lee match was really good with uh, Lashley. I thought that was also like a hard-hitting match. I think there was just one botch. But other than that, I think that was a pretty good match too. The AJ Orton match, meh. It's just, we've seen it before, so I wasn't that interested. I, I thought that they were all okay. Um, I didn't love the end of the Lashley-Lee match. I mean, I understand the... Listen, this is similar to the thing with the Raw Survivor Series team. I appreciated that they came up with the matches, but I don't think that they had to get there by those guys acting like fourth graders the day after victory. They could have come up with something other than being a bunch of child, you know, nine-year-olds. Um, with Keith Lee versus Lashley, I get it. You want to keep Lashley looking strong. You want to keep keep Lee looking strong, and you want Lee to advance. Lashley already has a belt, etc. That said, I don't think him getting pinned by Keith Lee makes him look any weaker than MVP interfering to get him disqualified if you did it the right way. And here, here's the right way. Keith Lee 
surprised us earlier in the match with a leapfrog over Bobby Lashley earlier in the match. Don't waste that earlier in the match. Do it at the end. Lashley has him lined up for the spear. Keith Lee does the leapfrog. Lashley goes right into the corner, knock, basically knocks himself out. These days, Keith Lee gives him the spirit bomb. Lashley was not expecting that from a 340-pound man, and it took him by surprise. Keith Lee looks strong as hell. Lashley has an outgoing, I can't, you know, saw how Brock Lesnar, when he saw him, said, who's this big boy? Same kind of thing. It, it's fine. Lashley, you know, he a year ago, he really couldn't take a loss like this. Now he can easily take a loss like this. If they, if they put a little bit of thought into it, and I promise you I put no more than 20 seconds of thought into this. Um, I know, audience, you're, you're all like, my God, he's smart. Um, the last and, match. And sexy, right? Everybody's like, oh. oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that. They, 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 can, they can feel the sexiness oozing out of their <laughs> earphones right now or their earbuds. Um, the last match, I mean, I like the Fiend thing with Randy Orton. Um, I'm sort of enjoying that everything doesn't have to be a face heel dynamic in this era of no fans and no crowds. I think they can play an experiment with that. Uh, I, I'm not sure that the fiend is a face, even though he seems to be tormenting Randy Orton mostly, but also the Miz a little bit, but Alexa is still clearly a heel. And, and by the way, she's knocking out of the park. This role really suits her. She, she uh, she she should get an Emmy for what she's doing. Uh, her or Nicole Kidman in The Undoing. Wow. Um, or the little girl in The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, anyway, I digress <laughs> often. Um, but, yeah, the, the ending to this was a little bit predictable. But, you know, I like how the night before Omos, which is uh, uh, AJ's bodyguard's new name that he's going by, did help in the Survivor Series, but he didn't help tonight. So, he will sometimes, but he won't always. So that that always can be a nice surprise. Um, but you could see, I mean, the one thing annoying me there is that Orton's looking for the fiend everywhere except behind him, and that's where AJ is positioning himself to to go. I mean, the one place you always look is behind you, but it's like, but not in horror movies or wrestling. So, so there exactly. you go. Um, I guess those are the rules, and you have to live by the rules. Uh, but it's true. But it was fine because, I mean, listen, I, if this goes the way I think it will, Lee and Riddle will probably cancel each other out because they're the two new younger guys that they want to push. And AJ is the real safe thing for this time of year. So the match will be AJ or Braun will somehow get in there and it'll be a you know a triple threat or whatever. You know, or Braun makes AJ turn face or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know. Whatever it is. Um, but I, I, you know, I think AJ is the safe bet and, you know, everyone loves to see AJ Styles. It'll be, you know, it'll be a good match. And then, you know, he can help Drew highlight himself a little bit and then people will start, you know, acknowledging that Drew can wrestle a little bit. He's definitely increased his repertoire a little bit. He's gone from about seven moves to probably 11 or 12. Um, he's starting to chain wrestle a little bit and, and, you know, use some, tactical or mat technician moves. Um, so I think AJ is a good, safe opponent for him. And, you know, there is one more pay-per-view uh, before the end of the year, right? There's one in December. Yes, I can't. What is it? Table, ladders, and chairs, I think it is. Yeah. And I don't think Riddle's going to be title match. And I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Riddle is going to be in a story with the Hurt Business. Uh, as you alluded to earlier with the Shark Tank thing. And yeah, I think that could be money. 
Riddle is, I mean, yes, this character is kind of goofy. It worked for RVD. I don't think that Riddle has the same swagger as RVD, but whatever. He's he's youngish, but I think MVP can make anything sell, and the the other guys around him feed off him, and they work really well with him. I like Cedric as sort of the impulsive, young, brash one. Shelton's sort of the wise, you know, smart, controlled one, and then Lashley is just the you know the silent killer. But but when he talks, it it's supposed to mean something. Um, and I love Lashley with a ascot or a cravat, whatever he was wearing. I mean, that that was, was if sharp. you think yeah, if, if you think Ayu sexiness, that was sexy. That was Smashley vintage. Um, this is why he was putting the pipe to Lana for such a long time. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and that's why she was crying for so long. Um, I, I don't blame her. It's really yeah. It's it's really sad. So we're on WWE. We we really didn't touch. Maybe we should. We finished Raw, so should we just like run through the Survivor Series results real quick? Yeah, let's go through Survivor Series. What did you think of the pay-per-view? I actually thought it was okay. I mean, I, I agree with the premise that there's no stakes, so that sort of takes you know a lot of the oomph out of it. People are saying the Miz won the Battle Royal for no reason. No, he won for a reason. The reason was so that you knew the Miz was in the building, so that you thought that, that you knew he was there and that he would he might cash in. And that he won, so he was feeling pretty puffed up and proud of himself. So he'd feel like tonight's his night to tease that he would cash in. I mean, that's why he won the Battle Royal. Would I prefer that the winner of this Battle Royal was guaranteed no worse spot than 26 to 30 in the Royal Rumble? Yes. That that would be, you know, that would be a good, easy thing to, to put in there and make it a, a stake. Would I like that there were some other stakes in the matches? Yeah. But as far as the show was concerned, I thought that the men's Survivor Series match was a lot of fun. It was quick. It was surprising. I enjoyed it. Um, the Street Profits beat the New Day. It was a good match. Some people are calling it the match of the night. I mean, it seemed much like the match they had previously, but it was it was a good match. If you are a mat, art, match artistry person, you enjoyed this match. Um, mm -hmm. Then we had Lashley defeating Sami Zayn, and, what, and a lot of people didn't like this match. I love this match. You had... You had both of them being smart heels, but in a different way. Sammy is the conniving, sneaky, you know, Bobby Heenan type of heel, trying to use every angle to his advantage. And Lashley was like the badass heel with his friends out there who were also smart heels because they weren't going to fall for any of Sammy's antics except for impulsive Cedric. And Shelton was right there to, to stop him. And, you know, and, and then MVP picked the spot and Lashley destroyed Sammy. I thought it was a perfectly good match. After that, we had the women's uh, champion versus champion match. Great match. It, it was exactly how we thought it would go. Uh, Sasha picks up the win. We both agreed that she should pick up the win. Um, there were there was no shenanigans. There was no running in. There was no nothing. Um, we didn't get my Apollo Crews uh, interfering in the Sami Zayn match, um, which I'm okay with, but I... I would have liked to seen that because I have high hopes for when they did the brand split, the only guy who got drafted to a show that wasn't importing his existing feud with him was Apollo Cruz. And I looked at that as a positive, stupid me, because he seems to have been <laughs> lost again. Um, but I, and when he had a match with Sami Zayn and, and Sami used the trickery by putting his leg in the in the wooden scaffolding, I guess, or, or uh, ring um what do you call it? Whatever stabilizes the ring, the ring construction. The uh, post? 
it wasn't the post though. It was sort of, you know, along the the perimeter, under the under the the um, undercarriage. Sure, we'll call it the undercarriage. Anyway, he 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 locked his foot in there, and and that's how he got a count out victory. So I thought that Apollo might get some revenge, and maybe he still will, and maybe there will be a program. But I'm I'm hoping for that. Anyway, uh, so we had the ladies mat. Then we had, uh, yeah. Then it was the women's. Um, we had. A- Going back to the um, the championship match, uh, Oscar versus Sasha. Mm-hmm. The were you surprised that it ended in a roll up? No. Does that like it bothered me? Like I I watched it and I was like, that's kind of bullshit. Like it just Sasha gets just like a like a like a fluke victory over Oscar. Like she won up to her real quick. Then I watched it again in the Riddle versus Sheamus match, and I'm like, what's up with all these fucking roll ups? Like. I feel like we're going back to just, you know, roll up central, roll up city. Yeah, uh, a lot of promotions are doing the roll up now. I maybe it's because of the rash of injuries. Maybe they think it's safe. I maybe yeah, maybe they're just creatively bankrupt. But I, I did not mind it here because they were doing a lot of mat wrestling and chain wrestling and reverse rolling up and. You know, there was a lot of that going on. So it was consistent with the story. So I didn't mind that Sasha won that because, you know, Asuka was trying to change the, the game and then Sasha took it back to a ground game and, and I think surprised her. I, I, I'm I'm not that much of a play-by-play on matches kind of guy. I'm more of a story and character kind of guy. So it didn't bother me in the least. Gotcha. What did you think of Drew versus uh, Roman? Well, um, actually, I thought this was this was – Great. I mean, it started a little slow. That seems to be Roman's thing now, a little bit of plotting in the beginning. Um, but, yeah, I thought both these guys told a really good story. Jey Uso came out towards the end and, and interfered. He uh, uh, Roman did a low blow uh, based on right. partly on this interference. Jey Uso ran out of the ring and sort of sat at the top of the ramp, sort of like a child in timeout, was panting weirdly, sounded sort of like a tiger in heat. Um, I have no idea what Paul Heyman is doing there. He, he, he had, I understand why he was there in the beginning. Cause I don't know that they knew this was going to work so well. I don't know why he's still there. Um, but that's a digression. Um, so anyway, the low blow and then Roman got through with the guillotine. He tried to fight out of it, you know, muscle out of it. Roman's a bigger guy. It didn't work. And, and drew lost and, you know, he, he still looks strong because of the interference, et cetera. And yep. it, I, I thought it was fine. I, I, Admit it wasn't the big fireworks I was expecting with Brock or or, or something. Uh, I'm glad there was no Miz successful cash in. I went to mind it a Miz unsuccessful cash in. Um, but you know what? It, with the WWE pay per views, the last four or five, they've all been pretty good to good, but they have they have been very shenanigan light. Uh, they've been sort of clean shows. The surprises and the shenanigans are mostly on Rollins' SmackDown. Yep, I mean the the most recent shenanigan one was how Roman won the title, right? Like yep. he ended up coming out and and at SummerSlam. Yep. Um, but to me, like if you knew you the show was ending with the Undertaker, you didn't want to have this whole like surprise ending to the Drew McIntyre match, the, the uh, Drew versus Roman match, because then you'd have people completely talking about that and completely ignore the, uh, the farewell. So I agree. I, I'm glad that they didn't pull the trigger because it makes no sense. Like I, 
again, uh, for people that were saying, oh, you know, I don't understand why they gave uh, Drew the title and took away the title from Randy for 22 days. But you know what? I really hope that this makes Randy look like an idiot, but I really hope that Drew loses to The Miz. That makes no fucking sense. Like, no. that was fucking nonsense, too. So I'm glad he didn't cash in. And, you know, I thought it was a really great pay-per-view. I loved every match. I loved the finish to every match. I thought it was really good. I even liked the the Drew-Roman uh, match because, you know, out of all the previous matches, it wasn't as good as this one. This one felt like a big thing. I really liked the fact that he put him in this uh, guillotine, guillotine dragon sleeper choke. Which and- I think you should call it something other than the guillotine, something more... Samoan Pacific Islands ish than guillotine. Yeah. It's very French. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a dragon sleeper. Why don't they just call it? I mean, oh God forbid, uh, maybe Keith Lee is the dragon. But now I don't hear them calling him the dragon. I, yeah, yeah. I think that they heard you scoffing and realized that you were you were right. They almost they thought Big Daddy Cool was Kevin Nash, and they're like, "Ooh, we better we better not do that." That's right. Absolutely. And so um, they stopped that. But I like yeah. that. Drew stood up from it and like you actually were like holy shit he might break through but then he got uh went back down to his knees so I love the finish I thought it was great I thought everything was well booked um let's talk about um I have two let's things get, let's get into the saddest part of the night though Jeff well I'm gonna I'm we're gonna get there I'm gonna let you have that segue but I just want to do two things and one of them is gonna lead you right in into the saddest part of the night one, this may be three things that now I think about, but one, um, I don't think that The Undertaker farewell needed to be on this pay-per-view. I think it sort of overshadowed it. Um, I think it would have done a lot better on Raw, have those legends there, mm-hmm. and it would have popped a bigger rating. You would have gotten a million more people watching, and that's much mm-hmm. more important than pay-per-view that nobody is buying because people get it with the network. Um, so that's that. Uh, I thought that the sad part is that we know that Roman and Drew needed the announce table for their table spots, uh, which I don't really think added very much to the match. I do think Randy Orton winning the match was a bit of an experiment, but I think it was mostly so that people saw that Drew won the second time so they knew he wasn't done. Because sometimes people win the championship and they're, they're done. See Kofi, uh, you know, for reference, you know, never to be seen again. And so Drew with the, the two-time champion, you know, then it's easy to believe even if, even if he loses, he'll be the three-time champion and then the four-time champion because that's sort of how it goes. Once once you're there, you're, you're usually sort of circling around there. I mean, I know there's been a couple of two-time champions, but uh, not many. Um, and not on the raw brand, so I, I think that was part of the purpose of it. Uh, but but back to the table, which I think segues us into the women's Survivor Series match, which is the one thing we didn't cover. Couldn't have been an accident, could it have been? No, never. Okay, well, take us there, Stephen. I'm I'm a little bit too verklempt to talk about it. I know. Well, you know, everybody was very emotional about The Undertaker, uh, Farewell, but uh, over here at the Hammerlock Hangover, we get emotional about different things, and what we got emotional about was, um, you know, obviously we called Lana being the sole survivor 
on last week's show, despite everybody saying, you guys are crazy, that'll never happen, she sucks, she's horrible, she'll never, Naya will, will put her through another table, that didn't happen, um, and she was the sole survivor. And so then that takes us to Monday Night Raw, which was probably um, Raw did well in the ratings, but I guarantee they probably would have done better had they put Lana through this table. And unfortunately, I'm sad to report uh, it's, it hit me in the feels this this week. I don't know how I've been dealing with this ever since, but um, ladies and gentlemen, the, the most important streak in all of professional sports, in sports entertainment, and in wrestling, was broken this past Monday when Lana escaped Naya and did not go through the table for the tenth straight week in a row. Um, I, I mean, I was I was saddened. They were teasing this the last two weeks, but yet it came through, and now this time around, it um, it it didn't come to fruition. And so Lana escapes after she was tagging with Asuka. Um, so the story goes that, you know, they had a match. Asuka and, and Lana were supposed to fight in this title match because, you know, hey, you're the sole survivor. You get something. You won for Team Raw. Supposed to get this title match. She gets the title match, but Nia and Shayna uh, – pretty much abort this match for Lana. And then it turns into a tag match between Oscar and Lana versus Shania. And then that, um, you know, Oscar and Lana win. Uh, but Nia doesn't put Lana through a table. And so that leaves me just, I don't know. I don't know what's next. What's next? For this angle, what's next for Lana? What's next for my life? I don't know. What's next for us, Jeff? I don't know. In Survivor Series, I could sort of rationalize it by saying the streak had nothing to do with pay-per-views. They wanted it for the main event spot. I, that's what I convinced myself. I said, it's just a streak for Raw. It'll happen tomorrow. It'll happen tomorrow. And then for no reason, it didn't happen. What's the point of having bullies if they don't do it? We have documented week in, week out, how ratings spike when Lana goes through a table, how they fall when Lana does not go through a table. I mean, what is wrong with you? And you don't even put the Undertaker farewell on that, though they did some silly Metallica song vignette thing, which was nice and all, but, I mean, goodbye is goodbye. We don't need goodbye then, like, goodbye part B, goodbye part C, goodbye part D. What we need is Lana through a goddamn table. And where's the, where's the Metallica vignette for Lana not going through the table? Where's that? Yeah, where is that? Where I mean, right now I'm I, I could be singing "Sad but True" because it is sad but true. But yeah, I mean Shania, you know what you? I mean, it's my life. I, you do what you want. I know, but you know, you feel like a woman, and when you feel like a woman, you pick up Lana and you put her through a table. Yeah, those are all the Shania Twain lyrics I know. The middle-aged grumpy white. Leave me alone. You're uh, very quick on the draw with Shania songs, Shania Twain songs. Not as quick as I would like, Stephen. Not as quick as I would like. That's what she said. Boom. Oh, hey Yeah, um, very sad that the most important streak in sports entertainment is gone. I know. I think that they're going to tease it again on Monday. I think Naya is going to try and restart it. 
It's done. I can't take it. I, I, I can't handle this kind of this kind of up and down emotional roller coaster. Agreed. Agreed. I think uh, Lana. It, this is building to. I I want to say that it's building to Lana taking the tag team titles away from Nia and Shayna. But who's going to be the partner now? I I have one prediction, but this needs. She needs to get out of war games before she can do this. The oh, name you that think I heard. Gonzalez? No, I think it's Rhea Ripley. I think. Oh, uh, you don't think it's Mercedes uh, Martinez? No. Uh, who? Oh. Mercedes Martinez. She was. She was part of Retribution. Then said, "Yeah, I'm not down with this." And they said, "Okay." <laughs> oh, is that what happened? Yeah, we I haven't seen her since. But she said, "I want to be back in the NXT," and they said, "Okay." And I mean, I haven't seen her in NXT or anywhere since, but. Uh, uh, they didn't wish her well on her future endeavors, so you know. You know what's weird is uh, we haven't seen Retribution since either. Uh, we haven't, and that is a little bit weird. But you know, uh, you know, just picture the dance gif. Then they'll never be far from you. They'll never be far from your, your heart. So that's raw. Um, more on Lana next week. It, that's sure. that is raw. My heart was raw. It was. My feelings was. are raw. That's you exactly right. Heart. So, so this sad. show was in mourning, people. It took six episodes, and we're already we're already verklempt. We're like we coffee talk. Know. We are. We don't even know what to do with ourselves. We don't. Sad. Let's talk uh, two quick things about uh, WWE, and then move on to uh, news around the wrestling world. Yes, sir. Um, this Saudi lawsuit. Uh, earlier this week, they mentioned that I guess the Saudi prince was upset with WWE, wanted his money back. I guess. All right, let me stop you right there before you embarrass the show. Because this is this is how wrestling fans interpret this. This has almost nothing to do with the Saudi prince, except that it does. But he is the Saudi prince, nor the Saudi government, nor any part of Saudi Arabia is directly involved in this suit. This suit is a shareholder's derivative suit by one of the investors in WWE stock. It is a fireman's pension fund that invest money for a fireman's union that invests in WWE stock. This has nothing to do with Saudi Arabia directly. It has nothing to do with the morals of Saudi Arabia. It has nothing to do with labor practice. It has nothing to do with any of that. So anybody who thinks this has something to do with independent contractor status or people being hijacked in Saudi Arabia or moral outrage about doing business with the kingdom, no. The suit is because the shareholders contest that WWE did not maximize their profits from Saudi Arabia for whatever reason. And that's where the whole kidnapping hostage plane narrative comes into play. The Vince was shaken down to take less money for the show, but more important than the show itself, because apparently Saudi Arabia has been a, a little slow on payments along the way. But, but more than that, he also accepted a much lower than expected licensing fee for WWE TV rights in the Gulf region. That's what the suit was about. WWE settled the suit for $30 million, which may sound like a lot of money, but it really isn't. And if the stock price went up a dollar as a result of getting this suit off their books, they made their money back probably three times over just, just in the stock appreciating. So nobody should look at this as some big victory for anyone. Maybe the firefighters union pension. Yay. I like firefighters too. But if anyone thinks this is about morality 
it it's not. This this is about them saying that Vince was not the devious businessman that everyone likes to think he is, the evil genius who controls the world. They're saying that he got scared and he was bitched out by Saudi Arabia and he didn't take enough, he didn't get enough money, he's not getting paid fast enough. And he was supposed to get three times, he was supposed to get like $45 million a year for TV licensing rights in, in the Middle East, and he got like $15 million a year for it. So WWE settled this. Yeah, they paid but, the plane. They were the defense. Had, had this gone to court, right? Let's say I'm Steve and I have WWE shares mm -hmm. and I can prove the same thing. Can I? Is that not like a class action lawsuit? Can I get? How do I get thirty million dollars, Jeff? Well, first you have to find attorneys who will take the case as a class action, which means that they the do case? a lot of advertising to certify the class. Now it's easy when you have an institutional investor who have like a union that has shareholders. They they know who all their individual shareholders are because they're all in their computer database. But you uh, you have to get something like twenty plaintiffs. Um, and so that's why you see those commercials and you get those postcards and things like that. People respond and they fill them out. And then you have the lead plaintiff who's the one person who went to the attorneys or the attorneys found them. But then all these other folks that respond become additional plaintiffs. So once you get to that magic number, it used to be 23. I think it's been reduced to 18. This is not exactly my field. But then it gets certified as a class. Now, what happens in most classes? Probably everybody in Listenerville has at some point gotten like a credit on their bill for 64 cents or a check for 37 cents with all sorts of things saying this is the result of a settlement between AT&T and blank, blank, blank consumer defense firm. And you're like, yeah, whatever. This this is stupid. It, the stamp costs more than this and the postage and the printing. And you're right. But this is to this is so that the market protects the integrity of the stock markets. So the, the market writ large is to protect shareholders. But the people who make money, because usually attorney's fees are part of this as well. So while the fireman's pension fund may have gotten $39 million in settlement, it's very likely that there was also an additional sum paid to the attorneys, though it's possible that it came out of that $39 million. I, I really don't know. But you know, in a settlement, nobody wins. It, it's There's no admission of liability. This is not an easy thing to prove, but... You know, litigation isn't a fun thing to have on your books either. WWE has a pretty good track record of um, defeating suits, including shareholder derivative suits. Uh, generally, I mean, the concussion one is a completely different story altogether with completely different defenses. But these are not easy to prove. But there was all that out there about Carl Anderson and his wife and, you know, Vince and the, the main players getting on one plane and taking off. And then the other plane, you know, being left there. And everyone was really nervous because they saw people's automatic weapons. But then they saw Randy Orton was in the plane. And they're like, oh, we're okay. They haven't left us. They haven't <laughs> left us for dead. Um, so there was there were all that. And that's the kind of thing that nobody likes, you know, you know, a jury to hear. And again, if this suit was dampening the stock price at all, and by getting it off the books, this elevated the stock price by even a couple bucks, you know, or, you know, who knows how much it takes, but whatever it is, every time the stock goes up a little bit, it's eating into this $39 million, if not exceeding it by two or three times. I, you know, So so you're saying I have no chance in hell uh, to file my own suit for $39 million? Well, we have to start with, do you own any WWE stock? No. Then you do not. So 
what if I like do like Aaron Brockovich and claim uh, some sort of harassment went on? I don't think that's what she was claiming. I think that she was claiming that, that her her husband or someone like died from poison water. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I don't think she was complaining that like telemarketers were spamming her. <laughs> you know, by the way, that, that that lawyer and his like 40 year younger wife got divorced. Uh, Erica Jane from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh my God, no. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a multimedia podcast, by the way. All right, so so that that is the news, and I just wanted to dispel that because everybody thinks the Saudi suit, the Saudi suit, you know, and they all want to draw their you know their narrative that they like WWE bad, Saudi Arabia bad, and that's that's and Saudi Arabia got money from Vince, or some people are saying Vince got more blood money from Saudi Arabia. No, no, no. First of all, Vince paid money. Well, Vince didn't pay money. WWE paid money. Vince gets salaries. He also gets dividends from shares. He is the largest single shareholder of WWE. He may, in fact, be the majority shareholder, uh, not just he might be 51% or more, but whatever it is, he's, a, he's at least the number one single uh, shareholder. I, I think the McMahons as a family are the uh, the majority mm -hmm. shareholders combined, for sure. Correct. Um but yeah, that, that's what's going on with that. I mean, I don't know. I know why these things start, but I don't know why anyone doesn't just read an article. Lawsuits are public records. So you could at least see what the claims are. Forbes covers the lawsuits involving the WWE because it's a publicly traded stock. Just read just read like the first four paragraphs. It isn't that hard. You read everything from Ringside News and Sean Ross Sapp and Ryan Staten. I mean, you know... And, by the way, on our Vega thing, let me just call out Brian Alvarez, who's probably not listening to this, but Brian Alvarez claims to have been a wrestler for many years, and he's been on a figure four online, Wrestling Observer Live, in the Meltzer group for, I don't know, it's got to be 10, 15 years in some capacity. So he is supposedly a wrestling journalist. So it's only after the Vega thing that a listener sent in something, like a friend of the show, someone that that – he knows from indie shows that also is in a union that explains to him the unionization process. He didn't know that before. He's a wrestling journalist. He's never looked into this in any of his time as a wrestler or a wrestling journalist. No, he's a hack. And he read something for about, well, it was a nine-minute segment, but he read something for five minutes. And basically says, you know, if a union wants to come into a place, first one-third of the, the labor force has to vote that they're interested then at least 50% have to vote that they want to become unionized. I mean, yeah, that, that's all true. You could see Norma Ray and know that that's true. There's any number of movies that, that, that depict this. It isn't that hard. But Alvarez, you were an independent contractor. You should know this is not a union. It's a guild. I know that they're not that – they seem similar. But one is for employees. One is for independent contractors. Why is this – I mean, SAG, S-A-G. G is guild. It's right there in the name. But you don't have to be that bright to think about it. Robert Downey Jr. did Iron Man. He also did Sherlock Holmes. He also did other movies, too. They were not all for the same studio. I mean, it, you know, actors. You you know, when any show is on, you see actors on commercials or in movies or in whatever because they're independent contractors. Ugh. But Alvarez is not a journalist. There are... <laughs> very true wrestling journalists, and the ones that there are are not trying very hard to 
educate the audience or look into stories that matter. Alvarez is too busy educating us on uh, which which version of cancer is more uh, devastating than the other. Oh my God. I mean, listen, it was a little bit out of context, but why even go there? And why diminish anyone else's cancer in any way, shape, or form in any context? I mean, first of all, he, he's in remission. It's it's not guaranteed to be forever. It could come back tomorrow 10 times worse. I mean, all anybody should be doing is being, you don't have to be a Roman Reigns fan as a wrestler. Who cares? But you don't wish cancer on a man. I mean, and you well, don't diminish. Alvarez didn't say that, though. He didn't no, wish no. cancer on him. No, no. You, but you don't diminish the fact that, that he had a, a, a weak strain of cancer. I mean, yeah, you don't do it. It was essentially, if anybody didn't, school themselves on this or hasn't heard but like alvarez was caught uh, uh on some audio uh pretty much having a dick measuring contest about whose cancer was more significant his buddies are roman reigns and it's like for fucking what like what was the point of there's no need just hey my buddy had really bad cancer is good enough he didn't need to compare it to leukemia <clears throat> by the way okay. excuse me yeah i'm all right i'm uh Going back to this, uh, you said there was a lot of movies that uh, covered this union stuff. Uh, isn't Aaron Brockovich about that? <laughs> sure, absolutely. See, I knew Aaron. I knew Aaron Brockovich. I, I knew I seen this movie. I think. I think from. I think your gimmick should now be that everything ties back to Aaron Brockovich. Absolutely, that's going to be my new thing. Let's talk about uh, wrestling around the world, and let's bring it home. <laughs> This is the news that most podcasts don't cover, or if they cover it, it's because there are podcasts about this promotion. But we are saving you time, people. You should listen to us because we're saving you time, despite how long we are going right now. Okay, so let's start off with the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. They're going back to YouTube TV, 605, free TV on Tuesday nights. They're, it's going to be called Shockwave. Why is it not power? This reporter speculates that it's about intellectual property. This is NWA and United Wrestling Network still working in their partnership. I don't know if they're still doing the weekly primetime live um, or primetime main event pay-per-views or not. I don't know about that. So your reporter didn't turn that page. But on this, because it's a partnership, I suspect that this Shockwave is a shared IP name, while Power, they probably at this point anyway want to keep it in the NWA family. So starting Tuesday, you can see NWA again on YouTube or at your convenience. Speaking of UWN, Ray Rojas retained his Hollywood Heritage Championship. Leo Rush uh, is making an appearance there and is making appearances everywhere. By the way, this this week, Leo Rush apparently admitted to having battles with mental health. Now, all of a sudden, everybody in, in, and their sister is telling me that Leo Rush has been very open about this in the past. Listen, I follow wrestling pretty closely. I have not heard anyone talk about this. All I heard about is how... Horrible he was treated in WWE, or the opposite, people saying WWE gave him every break and, and he squandered it. I'm sure people suspected that there might have been mental health issues. And then others said, why do you always think everyone has mental health? So anyway, he's admitted it or acknowledged it. I assume he's telling the truth. I, I don't actually know. But listen, he seems to have his head on straight. He's dealing with it. He's working. Wish him well. Um, anyway, he defeated somebody named Adrian Quest. Uh, also, Fred, in the ongoing tournament for the heavyweight title, Fred Rosser, who you may remember as Darren Young, defeated Sean Davari, who just goes by Davari here, and some fellow named uh, Dan Joseph, 
uh, defeated uh, someone named Zygdvi or some something like that. Oh, snap, Zygdvi. That's my man. It should be. Thunder Rosa is openly lobbying for an AEW job, and when asked, she indicated that apparently there are tiers of contracts within the NWA. Now, I'm not sure if, if that's true. I'm not really convinced if there's different tiers of this. Otherwise, I would have think that she would have thought that she would have already been signed. What I think is actually happening, this is this is speculation, folks. What I did before was reporting. What I'm doing now is speculating. I think she's probably looking to Tony Khan to maybe buy out her NWA contract or at least buy permission from Billy for something there. Now, if we start seeing Britt Baker on Shockwave, then there's a there's a bigger deal afoot. Whether it just has to do with the women's division, we'll find out. But uh, that that's a reason to tune into Shockwave just for itself, or at least this podcast to hear about it. Speaking about AEW rumors, which have been unsubstantiated, Conan, who is in the know and recently appeared in, in an inner circle segment in Las Vegas, uh, apparently said... What's that? With hose. With hose, sure, of course. Um, well, in Las Vegas, it's a legal profession, so you can't say that, Stephen. They were, they were they're actually employees in Las Vegas. Sorry, they're um, pros. Yeah, they're not independent contractors, um, which is interesting. Uh, anyway, Conan said that AEW is bleeding money. We have no way of independently verifying it because they're a private company, but that's what he said. Um, looking from the outside in, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. There's no house shows. Uh, you know, they seem to be signing everyone and their mother, and, and I think they released four people. Anyway. <laughs> On to MLW. They have started their uh, their restart of Fusion. They have something called the Opera Cup going on. Filthy Tom Lawler, speaking of Brian Alvarez, his uh, longtime friend and tag team partner, defeated Rocky Romero, uh, who people probably know from Ring of Honor in New Japan. He's actually a booker in New Japan. Um, so anyway, that happened. Also, uh, Richard Holiday defeated TJP. Yes, Manic. Uh, T.J. Perkins, uh, he's had other names as well. Um, and they have a guy named Calvin Tankman that they're very excited about. He's a 330-pound big man, and he defeated someone named Robert Martyr, I, I guess. Um, also, uh, I like Robert Martyr. Oh, well, well, Martyr did the, the job, and apparently he's picking up followers because that's what martyrs do. Moving on to Ring of Honor. So EC3, in controlling his own narrative, has finally gotten his first win. He's now one and two. He, he psyched out Jay Briscoe, who refused to stop kicking him in the corner because they're still using, I guess, pure wrestling rules, and they're very strict about the rules now. And Jay Briscoe got disqualified. So EC3 was quite happy about that. Um, Matt Taven had a match with Bateman. Um, and Patrick Bateman, Bateman. Uh, I don't know the man's first name. I think it might be uh, Jason Bateman or Justine Bateman. I'm not sure, but it's it's definitely one of the Batemans. Uh, like Bateman is a pretty tall guy, pretty big guy. He's part of Vin Vincent's Horror Inc. And Vincent is the one that, that split from Taven and the Kingdom. Anyway, uh, Vincent came. You know, Bateman lost, uh, but um, Vincent came in and started beating him down Taven. And then they were rescued by who? Mike Bennett wearing the goddamn ugliest suit I've ever seen since Herb Parlick was on WKRP in Cincinnati. And Herb Parlick <laughs> generally wore sports coats. 
This was, I mean, seriously, you need to see this just for the suit. It is so ugly. Jay Lethal beat LSG, who I sort of recognized. Yes, he was one of the guys in one of their tag teams, Coast to Coast. Don't ask me where the other fella is. Uh, maybe he's a fireman or something now. Um, they are having a pay-per-view. Final battle, December 18th. The card is going to be announced this coming week. Um, I think you can speculate on some of them. It's likely going to be Kenny King, who's been uh, seeking Jonathan Gresham's pure title. Uh, Taven and Vincent are likely, which means that Bennett and Bateman are likely. There's probably going to be a Briscoe versus EC3 match. Um, and it's also speculated that there's going to be double duty. The Gresham and Lethal will defend their tag belts against the Briscoes, who will be doing double duty. Uh, and that uh, Dalton Castle, who's trying to make a singles push, may have a match. And Shane Taylor will be in the mix as well. Um, they're teasing returns from their world champion, Roosh, and his brother, Dragon Lee, who are part of Los Ingobernables. Uh, with Kenny King and I think her name is Allison Ross or Allison Rose or Amy Rose. Um, anyway, we'll see. Um, impact. Okay, so we know there was a wedding. Was, Some guy got shot. Today. Johnny Bravo John, got John, shot. John, okay. Turns out he's not dead. He was just in a coma. He woke from the coma, and the doctors warned he may never be himself again. He, he might be different. So... I'm just going to go through some of the matches first, and then we'll talk about the wrestler's court. There are people who swear by Impact. I don't watch it, but I can tell by some of the vignettes I've seen and some of the clips and some of the storylines that they're definitely having fun there, and they really just don't give an F. And so if you want to see some sort of over-the-top, not quite Lucha Underground, the probably the closest you'll find is an Impact. I'm still not going to watch it, but, I mean... I do smile when I think about some of it, which is, you know, good enough for today. Anyway, on the other side of the equation, they had Hornswoggle coming out as uh, like CJ Styles when they were teasing the Phenomenal Ones return. And, you know, the the good brothers were expecting their old stable mate. And, uh, and because of the surprise, uh, Ethan Page, who's from the North, uh, was taking him lightly. Um, I think Carl Anderson attacked... Ethan Page's partner, um, who Josh Alexander, who who I think is legit hurt, so this is probably a cover for that. And with that distraction, Hornswoggle or CJ Styles defeated Ethan Page, which is absurd. There is a knockout tag team tournament going on there. Hi, CJ Swoggle. CJ Swoggle. Okay, I, I stand corrected. Sorry. Um, I thought it was. Do you, do you think that AJ has to like co-sign on on the use of AJ Styles and the Phenomenal One logo? Maybe, maybe on the Phenomenal One style. I don't think they have to because uh, I mean I, I think Impact owns all of their footage, and as long as they're only using some of it, I, I think that they can use it just fine. And AJ actually does own his name. Vince mm -hmm. does not. It's possible Vince owns the Phenomenal One logo. I mean, he's got to own something. I've never looked into that. So that's an interesting so. question. He came in with that logo. He's, he, I would imagine that AJ is savvy enough to, if he if he trademarked and owns his own name, he had to have trademarked and owned the logo. I mean, he's had that P1 on his gloves for ages. I don't know. Um, it's harder to search for a logo without search engines 
than a name. You can just simply type in the name to the trademark search system. Um, but maybe I'll look into P1 tomorrow or something if I remember, which chances are I won't. But you can you can hit me up. Anyway, um, Jazz came out of retirement. She's going to be Jordan Grace's partner in the uh, Knockouts Tag Team Tournament for women's titles, Knockouts Tag Team titles. Uh, Kira Hogan and uh, Tarsha Steeles uh, defeated Elo and Vox. Um, Vox was on NWA Power a few times, uh, we might recall. Suicide um, defeated Rohit Raju. Suicide was then revealed to be Crazy Steve, who the interesting part about him is that he's actually blind, um, which is a little bit crazy. Um, Kimberly defeated Killer Kelly. Um, Falaba and some guy named Driver was a no contest. Rich Swan, their champion, defeated Ken Shamrock, who I think is 60 years old. Um, so back to Bravo and the wrestler's court trial, which, by the way, you probably should check it out because it is pretty funny. So I'll just skip to some of the highlights. But Rosemary, who was the blushing bride on the stand, admitted that she never loved Johnny Bravo. After all, she is a demon, and she's not capable of love. So that's pretty good. And it almost fit into sort of one of my alternative theories, which wasn't that bad for a guy who doesn't follow Impact. Um, Larry D said that he's the one who shot Johnny Bravo because he was marrying the woman he's in love with. So I guess Larry D's in love with Rosemary, which seems like a dumb thing to do because she just said she doesn't feel love as a demon, but okay. Um, Eddie Edwards is going to face Sammy Callahan in a to-the-death match. So, so yes. I just want to go back to the, to the wrestler's court thing. I thought this angle was hilarious. It, um, you, you, you had a, uh, a cameo appearance by D'Lo Brown. You had Tommy Dreamer uh, first starting out as the lawyer. And then he ended up uh, – oh, no, no. He was the judge. Right. He started out at the, as the judge. And then <laughs> and then who was it? Um, who was uh, defending for uh, Johnny Bravo? I thought it was Madison Rain. It is Madison Rain, yes. I mean, the acting here is – you know, way above porno level acting. It's it, but it's not you know, Oscar award or Emmy award winning acting. But it's pretty damn good. Like Madison Brain brings it home. Like Johnny, uh, uh, Tommy, Wait. you shouldn't be the fucking judge. <laughs> I loved it. I loved all of it. Well, I loved Madison Brain. She loves Joss Matthews. So she's an actress. You know, the one thing I did forget is that D'Lo kept doing with you got to recognize or you don't recognize or the court doesn't recognize. So he kept tying that into it. And somebody said, I can't remember who that, oh, it was Johnny Bravo. He came in, he was sort of in a, in a, you know, in a fog and a fugue state. And he's like, I, I smell the person who shot me. And then somebody used like some sort of perfume, which acted as truth serum on Larry D, which got him to testify. So it was like, if anyone's ever seen the old Batman movie, it was like the shark repellent spray. The bat yes. shark repellent spray? Excuse me, bat shark repellent spray. So that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, people should check it out. I, I will give props. This, this, it was a very entertaining segment. Campy, funny, and clever. It, it, you know, give it a, give it a soup. It, it was clever. They don't pretend that there wasn't a past. And, and I don't know. I think that they're just having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a to the death match where I guess somebody's got to die. So 
you know, there's Impact playing with F again. Um, and, and those are my Impact notes, and those are most of my notes from around the world. So is there anything that I missed that you've got? No, I, I definitely wanted to just touch upon that Impact stuff because I thought it was the probably the best stuff that Impact has done in several years. Uh, I will say that if they continue to do stuff like this, I will tune in. The last time I tuned into NPAC was when Tessa Blanchard was facing Sammy Callahan and they were going back and forth with that nonsense a year ago. But I mean, Swoggle and uh, this wrestler's court thing was great. And I'll, I'll definitely, if they, if they keep that stuff up, like they got a, they got a guy tuning in on Tuesday nights. I respect that. Good, good. Then you can cover NPAC from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I might not stay for the whole two hours, but neither will anybody else. There you go. We could just make it up. No one's gonna know. No one will know. Or maybe, or maybe we did. Yeah. Well, then we, we can get trolls. I mean, you're not successful unless you have cyber trolls. We should. I, I'm hoping that eventually we get like a mailbag with like questions that come in through the Facebook group or on Twitter and or even feedback to like, you guys suck. Sure. Can't believe you bury AEW all the time. Can't believe you bury e e WWE all the time. Listen, first of all, we bury, we bury everything equally. Secondly, AEW Dynamite is my favorite wrestling show on the air, but I'm going to give them fair criticism where I see it. Um, and there's plenty to give. The people who pretend that everything is perfect there is is stupid. And yes, they're in their second year of existence, but you know they're not a baby anymore. But yeah, they're toddlers, but you know. It, you know, it's okay to criticize. That, that's part of what podcasts are for. But anyway, so listeners, if you do want us to have a mailbag and things like that, tell two or three friends to watch, listen to the show. Have them subscribe. Give it a shot. You know, they can either start fresh or they can listen to the first five episodes. It's, it's not a lot to catch up on and sort of get to know us. And frankly, you know, I joked before when I said I knew Steve for, for nine weeks. It's probably been three or four years now. Um, and we've worked together in some other arenas shortly, uh, not, not shortly, briefly. Um, and we continue to do so on Unpopular Review, which I'm sure he's going to plug soon. Um, I completely lost my train of thought, my friend. It's all right. I'll take it home. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've covered everything, AEW, NXT, WWE, all of that, uh, other wrestling. Um, and, yeah, we definitely appreciate uh, the fans listening in to the Hammerlock Hangover uh, last episode, episode five, being the most listened to uh, episode that we've had thus far. So thank you for listening in. I hope you're still tuning in, and I hope you're here for uh, all two plus hours of episode six. I know it was a lot to cover, but you know there's been about a ten day lag in in from the last show to this show, so we wanted to make sure we catch up on everything. Um, yeah, if you have any feedback for us, uh, comments, uh, tips to get better, tips to get worse, please make sure you send it to our Twitter account or our Facebook page, or you can reach us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. Um, thank you for listening. Again, this has been the Hammerlock Hangover. You can uh, listen to us on all kinds of uh, podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Spotify, Anchor, all that stuff. Great stuff. Jeff, it's been a really great show. Really a lot of fun. The two hours flew by. Um, yep. 
I want to thank Kevin Castle once again for being on last week. And I, my senior moment is over. What I forgot is I was building to the fact that if you listen to all five shows, you'll see how we grow together as working together more naturally. I think the first show we were both a little stilted, especially me, but I think we got more natural. And by episode three, I think we found our groove. So if you think this is groovy, you, it's like sort of like Lucha on the ground. You can sort of see how the, the story develops. But yeah, check us out. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Also check out my other podcast, Garden of Doom. It's uh, not about wrestling. It's, it's a variety magazine show, but we talk about uh, things ranging from cults to monsters to myths uh, to pop culture. So check it out. I think you're going to like it. Steve, you want to talk about Unpopular Review? Absolutely. And I'm uh, Steve. You can find me on Twitter at Big Daddy Cool, just at Big Daddy Cool. You can just type it out. It's BDC, Big Daddy Cool, um, on Twitter. And uh, you can also find both of us now on Unpopular Review. That is a review podcast that we do. It's a visual. It's a video podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, uh, live. And you can also find us on Twitter. It's Unpopular Review. We review wrestling we review movies earlier this week uh there was an episode on uh goldfinger that uh is generating a lot of views in a short time so um it's funny it's kind of like mystery science theater 3000 uh but a little more modern and um i guess r-rated so tune into that um and yeah we do review shows for wrestling after uh, every show so uh there's that stuff is in the archive of youtube so you can check that out um and that's pretty much it i hope you enjoyed this show and uh please tune in to the next one uh when we give you uh winter is coming results and uh everything else that happened on monday night raw smackdown and the rest of the world of wrestling anything else jeff no, nah, man, I think we've gone really long. I do want to, again, uh, you know, shout out to Jason Solomon. Solomon sounds off. Thank you to the Drew Yari Show for always being supportive. The guys at the Wrestling Soup, uh, very helpful. Um, I, I hope I'm not forgetting. Oh, Shaheen, who my partner on Garden of Doom, and they've got a podcast, Break the Apocalypse, which is uh, a comedy-based uh, social current events show. Uh, so check that out and check out his work on uh, Nuclear Heat shop and gimmick tree they he's got the signed stuff by the briscoes uh serena deeb um arn anderson and more and some of it was just from this past weekend where so the ink is still wet but yeah um we've gone as long as we did last week with a third person it's probably mostly my fault people evil dose is out very good thank you guys and uh have a good one take it easy happy thanksgiving y'all Thanks for listening to the Hammerlock Hangover podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate us as if you were Okada in the Tokyo Dome and leave us seven stars or as many likes as you can. Please share our awesome podcast with all your friends and family who enjoy wrestling and your favorite social media outlet. If you want to interact with us, you can find Hammerlock Hangover on Facebook and Twitter you can also email us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to catch you on the next episode.